We are just a few weeks away from mm. the first Doctrine and Devotion conference called... Conf- Get on it! It's called Confessional Piety. Oh my goodness, it's going to be so great. I am looking forward to it. I really am. I'm excited, man. It's getting close. People are registering. We're going to have a people good People are group. coming from out of town. Oh, out of state. Out of state. Where are they coming from? Uh, there's people coming from California, yep. Colorado, yep. Texas. Uh-huh. I heard Utah. That's not a state. Utah's a state. No, it's not. Pennsylvania. Yep. Indiana. That's a state. Mm-hmm. Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. I think Idaho. All right. So, and more. Like, and people and more. are just trying to remember exactly. I don't know where Listen, people are coming from. There's a you lot guys, of people. You guys want to get in on this. If you're a student, it's 20 bucks to get there oh my, and to get just everything. $20. $20. And that's it's basically cheap. free. We're basically paying you to get there. Yeah. We're, Pretty okay. Much. I want you to know our per person budget. Right. We're paying you to go. Yeah, absolutely. So if you're a student, 20 bucks. And somebody asked, what if I'm a PhD student? Absolutely. That yep, counts. I agree. So uh, if you're wasting your money on a PhD, 20 bucks. And, what do you mean uh, wasted well, their money? No, that's, that. a lot, that's a worthwhile right, so listen, endeavor. Um, $47 to register. You get everything. You get the video downloads. You get the conference journal. You get free books. We want you to be there. Dr. Jim Renahan, uh, Reformed Baptist original gangster, he's going to be there teaching three mm, sessions. OG, OG, uh, OG. I'm going to be there. I'm going to preach one session. That's Joe Thorne talking. Some of you get confused about who's talking. How Joe do you Thorne, get confused? I'm know. the manlier of the two. You, well, you're the more excited. Hey, guys, let me tell you guys. Welcome to Doctrine and Devotion. Yeah. Uh, have you seen the weight room? That's why you're the not preaching. over there. That's why you, because you talk like that. That's why. So you need that sign why I'm not preaching. It's because I'm not the OG. Go to doctrineanddevotion.com slash conference and register for this thing. It's going to be really good. And uh, there's going to be some hangout and uh, afterwards. You, you can talk about it. Tell, tell them. About, right. Oh, no. Well, you know what? Let, let's tell them halfway. Let, we'll tell them later. All right. Tell them listen, about the promotional thing. I'm later. just telling you. No, no, just tell them later. Don't, don't stop. Just stop. I'm not, I'm not okay, telling Don't them. say anything. All right. Okay, stop. We're going to go ahead and do our intro now. Ready? All right. Ready? Welcome to Doctrine and Devotion, a podcast exploring Christian faith and practice from a Reformed Baptist perspective. My name is Joe Thorne. I'm the lead pastor of Redeemer Fellowship in St. Charles, Illinois. And I'm Jimmy Fowler, elder candidate at Redeemer Fellowship. Hey, hey, hey. Hey, hey, hey. What's going on? I'm, I'm getting pumped, man. And, well, it's President's Day. I know you're excited. Oh, yes. Uh, hail to the chief. It's called Trump Day now. Yeah, you know what? Uh, it, that's what it says on my calendar. Uh, the Apple... Like auto subscribe, right? U.S. holiday calendar. Well, U.S. holidays, right? Now, now it now says what? It, it says it says Trump Day. That's right. So uh, we're celebrating presidents. Yeah, listen, uh, I'm not celebrating Trump, uh, but Jimmy, who voted for Trump and everything, uh, he's celebrating. I, am, I never voted for Trump. Well, it I never. That way. No, no, no. I personally mm-hmm. have never voted for Trump. But you were on his mailing lists. I personally never registered, but you, but your email was uh, associated with the Trump campaign. I personally never registered my email to mm-hmm. be associated with the Trump. Somebody campaign. did. I think it was you. No, I think we all know. Everyone listening knows that it was you. Okay. Well, it's Monday. It's the start of a new week. Uh, how you feeling, Jimmy? Are you ready for this week? I am ready. I'm good to go. I'm really excited. I know uh, we've got a lot of things going on. Um, Three weeks. Oh my goodness. Three weeks, and we're going to have this conference. We're going to have this conference, and people are excited. Uh, a lot of people coming in, as we already kind of talked about. But man, I'm just overwhelmed by the amount of support that we are receiving. Yeah, it's been really cool. And for our, our first conference. Yeah. I thought we'd have like 20 people. You know what? I remember when we talked about it, like, hey, maybe if we get 30, we should be good, right? right. Like, that'd be, that'd be successful. It'd be, cool. it'd be a cool gathering. You get like 50 people. Yeah. That'd be good. That'd be nice and it'd be good. And oh, so no. we're really excited that uh, it has just been really, really good. Cool, man. I'm excited, man. February, uh, we're getting closer to getting out of winter, so that's going to be nice. 
And uh, I just, honestly, I'm excited about ham- hanging with uh, Jim Renahan. Hamming? You're about to say hamming well, with Jim I, I said, I said, like, because are, when do, Jim and I... Are you guys going to go get a ham and eat it together? Well, Jim and I, most people don't know. People look at uh, Dr. Renahan and they think button down, bow tie, real mm-hmm. serious. But we like to ham it up. We are like, uh, we're, we're like a little comedic duo. So you guys will see that at the conference. It's pretty good. Really? Yeah. Oh, like, yeah. I'm, you're fired uh, after wait, this conference. Yeah, hold on. Wait it'll a be, second. It'll so be Renahan say- and Joe the Man, and we're going to have our own podcast, and Jimmy's going to be... You can handle well, the editing. Well, no, I can't. No, you'll still have J-Bond for that. But okay, like, well, then you can, you can handle the email. Oh, social media. That's your thing. I'm out. All right. I'm out. I can't believe you would replace me with Jim the Man Renahan. Uh, he is smarter than me. I will yeah. give that. He's got more style. Oh, yeah. Oh, with a bow tie? Oh, yeah, dude. He, like... Uh, yeah, like... Uh, oh, what's that, what's that show on Netflix? The Peaky Blinders? Yeah, yeah, those guys wear bow ties, it. and they will cut your throat. Yeah, I never watched. They look it. good. It, was, it looked too violent. It's it's very bloody, and hence the reason why I never watched it. Yeah, you're you 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 squeamish. I'm not squeamish. You are a I'm little squeamish. squeamish. You're a little I squeamish. Don't, I just don't, don't like certain things. Oh, you know? yucky blood. I never said uh, yucky well, blood. Well, no, but I, your face says it. I, uh, what are we talking about today, Joe? No, uh, wants to hear, no one wants to hear about this. No one cares that's, about this. Don't take my life. No one cares about this. We're talking about creeds and confessions. That's what we're going to talk about. Oh. Yeah, you know, it's something that we're not really excited about. Yeah, I mean, it's like, uh, you know, I feel like we shouldn't really have any creed but Christ. That's what I think. I think so. I think uh, you really just need scripture to guide you. We believe in scripture alone, right? Yeah, and so, so I, I think all these extra uh, extra biblical things. These extra these words written by men. By men and, and like. By white patriarchs. Are, is that really beneficial for the church? Well, uh, let's talk about that because um, as reformed Guys, uh, mm-hmm. as Reformed Baptists, we, we do. We, we do value the creeds and the confessions uh, of the church throughout the ages, and in particular, of course, the Second London Confession, written in 1677, published widely and signed in 1689. Mm. We're down. We're down. We're down with the 1689. So um, whether you're Presbyterian, we know we have a lot of our baby sprinkling friends that listen as well. We love and you, you know guys. I'm actually encouraged by that. Oh, yeah. I'm encouraged by that, that like we're able to... Uh, <clears throat> have these discussions right. wide ranging. And I do think like we, we play around, we do play around a lot and we joke around a lot, especially you, you on social around. media and stuff. Yeah. But there's this, there's this real feeling of like friendship. You know what I mean? Like yeah, there's, camaraderie, there's camaraderie, brotherhood. brotherhood. Mm-hmm. Like there's this real understanding of we are united by Christ. And while we have this difference here, mm-hmm. uh, it doesn't negate our love for, for each other yeah. and our love for the glory of God. Right. And we, we, we tried to emphasize that. Uh, we didn't really try. I think it just came out when we talked about baptism weeks and weeks yeah. ago that, um, you know, Presbyterians think we're a little whack on baptism. We think they're a little whack on baptism, but it really isn't of enough consequence for us to say we can't be friends, we can't work together. Uh, instead, we recognize that we have to gather separately because we do differ on the sacraments. Yes. But outside of that, we link arms, we love each other, and we work together for the glory of God. Yeah, we're not we're not pulling a uh, Rick Patrick and yelling no mas. Oh, hey, don't be hating on Rick Patrick. No, I'm just saying no Pastor mas. Pastor Rick. No, I'm just saying you can't. I, we're not doing that. We're not just saying because of this, we are no longer in fellowship. You don't want to take your money marbles and go home, is what you're saying. Well, if I don't have any money marbles. Well, that's what uh, Dr. Patrick was saying. That traditionalists should take their money marbles in the SBC and go home because there are too many Calvinistic Baptists in the SBC leadership. So, anyways, um, hey, bro, take hey your bro. marbles. What? Anyways, what? What did nothing. I say? No, nothing. nothing. You're looking at updates. 
I'm looking at something that came in up on Facebook. Yeah. Oh, what is what did it say? So someone asked uh, in a in a certain we, you got tagged it too. Okay. Uh, oh, in the Reform Pub. Yep. Yo, they, Pubsters, they love us. Do y'all have an, any idea what the theme song slash intro beat from Doctrine and Devotion is? I'm 90% sure it's something from Humble Beast. I've heard it in Wretched Radio's Life is Best also. Any help? Ain't no one using that. That's us. Yeah. First of all, that is from Humble Beast's commercial catalog. A lot of you guys ask. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so C- Humble Beast has a commercial catalog that they use for production in professional commercials and, well, professional podcasts like uh, Doctrine mm. and Devotion. Mm. Thanks for tuning in. The music that you heard is by Humble Beast. Yeah. And we love it, what Thomas is doing. And if you want it for free, um, <coughs> you can... Uh, well, I don't think we can... Gi- we can't give that no, away. No, of course not. That's what okay, if you want it for free, saying. tough luck. <laughs> we can't give that away. That's not No, we can't give. give. That's not That's not. Thomas ours. was extremely gracious with us in uh, allowing us to use whatever we wanted. So... Um, so we're going to talk about confessions and creeds here and what they are and why they're important and, and what good they use and what good they are. And this is a good lead up for the conference because that's yeah. really what the conference is about. And one of the books that we want to encourage you guys to check out if you can't make it to the conference, because if you can make it to the conference, you're going to get this book for free. It's called The Creedal Imperative and it's by Carl Truman. Is that Truman? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good one. He is like the wackiest reformed guy. He is super funny and super silly. Like he has a personality. Uh, no, he's not. He's actually super, he's dry as sand. Well, then what the but, heck? Why uh, are you saying he's really it's funny? Because it's oh, funny. Oh, you're being ironic. Being, you don't know who Carl Truman is, apparently. Uh, Carl well, Truman I've read his stuff. An, I just don't no, know him. No, he is an awesome stick in the mud. But his <laughs> book is great. And it's a little bit more of an academic book yeah. uh, to be paired with my very non-academic book that you'll get at the conference. Creedal Imperative, must well, booklet. read. Your, your, your uh, booklet. Right. All right. Now that you've got 75% of our <laughs> listeners calling my books booklets, it's very discouraging. It was hilarious. We were sitting down today okay, with representatives go. of Moody Publishing. How many representatives were there? Three. Three representatives. Three representatives. Mm-hmm. From Moody Publishers. Okay. And... Uh, so, you know, they're all excited and everything. And, and I like to think they were excited. Yeah. They were excited. Yeah. And then Steve McCoy says, oh, yeah. our friend Steve McCoy. Pastor Steve. Uh, Steve, he works with Ed Stetzer now. Yes. Steve says, so, uh, and he's known Joe for a very long time. Oh, we've, yeah, we've been dating for years. Yeah. And so, he, wait. What? Okay. Oh. Uh, he goes, Joe finally had enough content to write a full book, and yet he breaks it into three <laughs> booklets. <laughs> Yeah, and then you put it on Twitter. Thank you so much. And I saw that Jim Renan liked it. So that was awesome. But anyway, so yeah, the, Carl Truman's book. It's it's really good. Yeah. Um, listen, it's not the kind of book, you're not going to pick it up. It's not going to read like blue like jazz or anything. It's a serious book, but yeah. it's worth your time. That's why, listen, we could have gotten a number of books from Crossway. They pretty much said, hey, you pick a book, we'll let you give it away yeah. as, a, as a sponsorship sort of a thing for the conference. Um, and it was no question. We want the creedal imperative. Exactly. I could have given away one of my books. Uh, yeah, yeah. Crossway, and I was like, absolutely not. This is the best book for us to be given away. I think so conference. for the for yeah. what the conference theme is and what the purpose of the conference is. You're right; that is the best book. Okay, so when we're talking about creeds and confessions, now th- that can mean uh, either different things or the same thing, right? Yeah. So uh, a creed can refer to those Catholic creeds, and when we say Catholic creeds, we don't mean Roman Catholic. Yeah, we're talking about universal, like the the church, the universal church itself, small C. Right, small C. So we're talking. Uh, uh, like what the uh, the Apostles' Creed. <clears throat> the Apostles' Creed. Right. Yep. So uh, Constantinople, uh, all that stuff. Yep. And yep. Nicaea, and the Catholic creeds are those creeds that emphasize a Trinitarian theology. Yep. Um, a big emphasis on on Christology, 
and uh, all churches, all all Orthodox churches embrace the Catholic creeds. Even Catholics and Protestants embrace these Correct. Catholic creeds. So these are very solid foundational. Um, it's kind of what of unites faith. us. It, it unites us together as, on one level. Yes, on a certain level. It, there are obviously a lot of differences with with the Roman Catholic Church, right? Um, but as far as this is kind of that nut, I guess you want to say that, like the in a nutshell, a nut, it's like a nut. Or like a nutshell. nutshell. The nutshell. It's like a walnut. Like, what, I don't know what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, you cracked the walnut and you got the nut in there. Uh, walnuts are the worst. Anyways, right. um, but yes, yes, this is the basic understanding of, of the Godhead. And so we all agree on this. God is triune, uh, eternally existing in three persons, mm-hmm. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So we have these creeds. But sometimes creeds is also just synonymous with confessions. Confessions and creeds meaning the same yes. thing. Meaning clear, historic articulations of the Christian faith. And the, the value of, of, of a confession of faith, like the 1689, yeah. um, is, in my estimation, very, very high for a number of reasons. We're, we're going to get to that. But let's first talk about why some people don't like the idea of, of confessions and creeds. Some people push back against it. They and what's the saying? What do they say? No creed, but but Christ. No creed, but Christ. Or yeah. I don't need any creeds. I only need. I just need the Bible. Yeah. Right. So what? Why? Why are people? Uh, and let's, I, I let's feel be like kind. It, why are people <clears throat> nervous about creeds and confessions? Well, I think part of it is they feel, they feel like it's antiquated. Mm-hmm. That it feels like it was for a time and for a season. And these times and seasons have changed. Oh, I'm going to read a quote. Keep going. Oh, oh. so they spoke into certain situations and certain needs of the, the church at the time. And we've, quote unquote, moved beyond that. Right, right. So it's like a chronological snobbery. We look back. Yes, we that's don't, right. We don't, like, we're beyond that. We're past that. In fact, but, we've progressed farther along. Right, right. So Truman talks about this in his book. I love that you brought that up. Yeah, that's because how smart I am. Yeah, even you haven't read the book, have you? No, I read it. Well, yeah, you read oh, the really? credo imperative. When did you read it, Carl Truman? You didn't read that book. Yeah, I've read it. I took one of those. Oh, did you read yes. it? <laughs> we have boxes of these books for free. All right, cool. All right, so good. Well, I, can't, I can't recommend something I haven't read. No, no, it's that's really. Weird. I'm impressed that you read it. You don't usually read books that are that are hard to read. No, oh okay, my gosh, so, that's so terrible, Joe. So Truman has this whole thing, and, he, and he's talking about this problem. A lot of people push back against creeds because we have this view of history yes we look back and we go oh back then in the day we were awful we were terrible we were primitive we didn't understand and we look back on and like in america we look back and what do we see well we see the oppression of of the african-american we we see the oppression of women and and we think like oh what did we have what did we understand back then here's a line today this is truman today the past is more often a source of embarrassment than a positive source of knowledge and when it is considered useful it is usually providing examples of what not to do or of defective, less advanced thinking than of truth for the present. Right? And that is how we think about it. Yeah. That's, I think that, that's, that's a really good point. I think other people are concerned about confessions and creeds because Protestants oftentimes associate, and I, I don't even want to say Protestants, yeah. evangelicals oftentimes associate with creeds and confessions and catechisms with Roman Catholicism. I think so. They feel like there's some sort of... Uh structure to it i guess i, I don't know if structure is the right authority word. authority thank you and i think they feel like it's just some it's another sort of oppression i guess right when, well if that, and i'm trying to be charitable when i say that yeah like yeah that, well that, you get it i mean think about it like 
we believe the Bible is the Word of God. Yes. Nothing, nothing trumps the Bible. Nothing comes close. Correct. And so when people talk about creeds and confessions, that can sound like, wow, that's the authority, and that is over and above. Well, we're not say- Okay, we'll get to that. We're not we're, saying we're that. We're not saying no, but they might think they that. Might they might think that. And actually, that. we've seen that actually online in some social... Okay, yeah, those dummies at the Reform Pub. Some I'm just going to say. Okay. Some Yeah, I'll talk about those ones. Okay. On the... Now, listen... There are well-intentioned brothers and sisters. Yes, and I think, I, you know what, when you say dummy, I just think that it's just people that don't have a proper understanding. Right, they're ignorant. Of, <laughs> they that's just, what that means. No, no, I would say that's actually more a reflection upon the leadership of the church. Okay, either way. That has not done a good either, job in training way, its people. Either way, there are these dummies, and no, what they say. No, there's these dummies leading churches that are not properly training Okay, so there people. are dummies that give birth to ignorant Christians who. I'll go with that. Okay, there we go. And so there are, there are these guys, and I'm, listen, I call Jimmy dummy more than I call anybody. Oh, and I, yes. lo- I would die for Jimmy. So uh-huh. when I call somebody a dummy, that... Uh, I'm he does being, call me dummy I'm, a lot. I'm I'm being, you call know. me dummy just as much. Yeah, because you are a dummy. Okay, so there are these guys on the Reformed Pubcast who are saying things like... The no, West- sorry, it's not the Reformed Pubcast. I'm it's sorry, the Reformed Reform Pub. Pub. That's very different. Okay, so the guys on the, there are two guys on the Reformed Pubcast, Les and Tanner. Yes. Those guys are cool. Yes. A little uptight on the pedo-baptism thing. Well, yeah, they're they're still on that stage. A little tight, a little cage stagey. Well, maybe less. I don't know about Tanner. But we love those guys. We respect those guys. There are some people on the Reform Pub Facebook page who were saying that the Westminster Confession of Faith is inerrant. Now, um, when you say something like that, I know what you mean. What you're saying is, is, I don't believe that there are any errors in it. Therefore, it is inerrant. But that's not how the word is used historically or theologically. Inerrancy is connected to inspiration, and it is only applied to the Scripture when you're talking about the discipline of theology. So you don't get to apply it to whatever you want. Yeah. Though, even the, even the, the authors of, our, of the Reformed Confessions would not argue that it is inerrant. Now, of course, they believed that it was true and accurate and without error, but that's not the same thing. So um, we, we don't want to say that this thing is impossible of containing error, though we may not believe that the 1689 has error. Um, so th- there's a difference. The confessions themselves always prove, they always push the point. Do you have the 1689 up? Uh, no. Okay, I bring will. that up. And look at, look at chapter one, paragraph one. Okay. So um, all these good confessions demonstrate that the scripture is the authority, not the confession. Mm. That the scripture is is God's word by which everything else is measured. And yeah. so we even even those confessions themselves and healthy confessional Christians don't point to the confession as the authority, but the scripture as the authority and the confession merely as a helpful explanation of the authority. Jim, why don't you read paragraph 1 of chapter 1 in the 1689? The Holy Scripture is the only sufficient, certain and infallible rule Ooh. of all saving knowledge, faith and obedience. Oh. Although the light of nature and the works of creation and providence do so far manifest the goodness, wisdom, and power of God as to leave men inexcusable, yet they are not sufficient to give that knowledge of God and his will, which is necessary unto salvation. Therefore, it pleased the Lord at sundry times, miscellaneous times, and in diversified manners to reveal himself and to declare that his will unto his church and afterward for the better preserving and propagating of the truth and for the more sure establishment and comfort of the church against the corruption of the flesh and the malice of Satan and of the world to commit the same holy unto writing, the same holy 
uh, that's W-H-O-L-L-Y, unto writing, which makes the holy scriptures to be most necessary, those former ways of God's revealing his will unto his people being now completed. Right on, right on. So the scripture is... The, the aff- only a sufficient, certain, and infallible rule of oh. all saving oh. knowledge. Uh, I thought, but I thought the confession was infallible. Okay. No. 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 no Dummies. No, no. Okay. Stop so uh, I'm just I'm just being mean. Um, so we want to make this really clear. True confessional people don't believe the confessions are uh, w- without error, but that uh, and though they believe they that they are true. We believe that the scripture is without error, yes. inerrant, and authoritative. So we, we start there. We start there in our confessions. And so let, let, let's make that really clear. We believe and trust in God's word revealed to us yes. more than anything else. The confession is merely a helpful way of articulating some of the critical aspects of scripture. Yeah, trying to, would you say, trying to, I, I hate the word using, like using the word concise, but trying to make it clear direct and even memorable yeah, like something you can kind of take and study and, and devotional and devotional Man. that's the important part listen I, how devotional is the 1689 how great is it pretty for, stinking devotional for your your faith like to be able to read through and pour over it and to like take that central doctrine and to just kind of really it's just it's a beautiful thing to go through jimmy and i do this even devotionally like we yeah. we read through the confession of faith and seek to articulate it in a way that it is uh, like so we work through the confession of faith we work through the scripture passages that are always annexed to yeah. each paragraph and we're trying to understand all right now how does this doctrine relate to me as a christian and what yeah. do these truths that god has revealed not in the confession, but in scripture, articulated by the confession, mean for me in my everyday walk. Absolutely. This is something that we're doing all the time because, listen, I've been carrying the 1689 around in my bag. Yeah, since in your my... back pocket. No. Uh, in you my don't bag. put it in your back pocket? No. It's really great. My, I have right little in... tiny back pockets. I have midget right. pockets. I can't Never fit mind. anything in there. You can't, you can't even fit that small book? No, that that wasn't even around when I. This was back in '95. Oh, never mind. Yeah. So in '95, I used to carry around this um, this this paperback cover through Founders. Uh, it was a modern uh, language version of the 1689. I had it in my bag, and I always had it in my bag. And I would use it for um, reflection, for teaching. When issues would come up, I'd pull it out. This was before cell phones, or this was before smartphones anyways. Gotcha. And uh, I loved that thing. And so now I actually, I always have it on my phone, of course. I have an app, and I have websites, and I have a... Well, actually, on your own website, you kind of laid right. it out there as well yeah on like i the reason i put it on joethorn.net is because all the other online versions are kind of sucky they yeah. look they look terrible they didn't look right and they didn't have the uh the references yeah they the did. cross oh the, yeah they did oh, yeah, I, totally yeah oh, i thought you were the first no i thought no, they no. all stole it from you no 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 i stole that from everybody else no the, the 1689 1689 has their scripture references i just put it on my website so i can have it right there easy to find joethorn.net slash 1689 there you can find it boom um we should put that on D. sure we need, we need to add that oh, let's add it. all right so um so just to be really clear it is devotional it is helpful now what what what's the, why is it helpful or what is the the danger of not having a confession of faith um mm-hmm. not having something that clearly robustly articulates what's the danger well it's not even just like not having something that clearly and robustly articulates i want to look at it from 
how it came together, mm. right? Like, and I feel like the danger of not having a creed or a confession is kind of like you're going through your faith solo. Right. Oh, that's good. I, that's like, good. You know what I mean? Like, like I'm interpreting scripture through my own lens mm-hmm. and through my own experience, experience and presuppositions. Right. And when I look at the 1689, I'm looking at something that all these other uh, well, just educated, well-meaning, godly men. Most of them had long hair, like headbangers. Go ahead. <laughs> but I'm talking about like they, they debated this. They discussed right. this. They nuanced this to get it to exactly how they, I'm trying to use the right word here. Mm-hmm. Uh what they believed gave the most glory and honor to God and remained right. faithful to the scripture's witness. Smarter bros than us. Yes. Right? Easily. And so I'm learning I'm learning from these men are still teaching me. Right. However many years later, centuries later. Yeah, and I love it because it's what so, they have articulated yeah. is is not they're not small issues. No. These are big theological issues. When you look at the 1689 on marriage, for example, in fact, okay, I'm gonna bring it, I'm not even there. If I just type in 1689 in my browser, guess what comes up? Jothorn.net, 1689. All right, then I'll scroll down to marriage. <laughs> all right, while you're doing that, hey, I keep getting all these emails asking, hey, if I can't go to the conference, can I still get a journal and book? No. No, you can't, fool. Come on. Sorry. What are you at, the Reform Pub? All right. Um, 1689, chapter 25 on marriage. Now, the think about all, all the stuff that's been going on in our culture in America, yeah. right, in particular. America. On, on, America. on America. the America. On the marriage issue. <laughs> uh, paragraph one. Marriage is to be between one man and one woman. Neither is it lawful for any man to have more than one wife, nor for any woman to have more than one husband at the what? same time. At the same time, the, they, of course, they give scripture references. Paragraph two, marriage was ordained for the mutual help of the husband and the wife for the increase of mankind with a legitimate issue and the preventing mm-hmm. of uncleanness. Paragraph three, it is lawful for all sorts of pe- people to marry who are able with judgment to give their consent. Yep. Man, think about this. Think about how it relates to other religions. Well, yeah, um, yeah, not, yeah. It's not just an arranged marriage. It's to not give just their, not some stinking nine year old. That's kid. it. That's what I was trying to say. Sorry. Like I was trying to figure Sorry. out how to word that punching properly. people in the face. Right? Yet it is the duty of Christians to marry in the Lord. It is the duty of Christians mm-hmm. to marry in the Lord, and therefore, such as profess the true religion, should not marry with infidels or idolaters. Neither should such as are godly be unequally yoked by marrying such as are wicked in their life or maintain damnable heresies. And then last paragraph, paragraph four, marriage ought not to be within the degrees of consanguinity, oh, consanguinity, yeah, sorry, do you know how to pronounce that? or Consangu- affinity, no, do you get for, it? Yes. Right, forbidden well, in the it. word, nor can such incestuous marriages ever be made lawful by any law of man yeah. or consent of parties. So as those persons may live together as men and wife. Listen, you couldn't be more relevant and on target That's right. than chapter 25 of the 1689. It's so it's a, not antiquated. It's, no. still, it's still issues. It's still issues that we're facing today. Right, right. It's still discussions that we're having today. Right? It's still, it's still, if you want to use that word, it's still relevant. It is relevant. Because it's the word of God. It transcends. It culture, transcends time. culture and yeah. time. That's what I just said. And I'm not saying it's 
Well, sorry, when I said it's the word of God, it's taking the word, the truth from the word of God, mm-hmm. not that it itself is the word right, of God. Of course, so I want to make course. sure I clarify that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, listen, if if you don't have a clearly articulated confession of faith, yeah. then what you are left with is what? I mean, you're, you're left with opinions, yeah, guesses. You're, you're left to whatever you want it to be. So confessions are useful for churches because they become something around which the church unites. Doctrine, and Truman makes this point, doctrine doesn't divide. Of course it divides on some level. But doctrine doesn't divide. Heresy divides. Yes. Heresy causes the division. And most of our creeds and confessions arose out of ongoing heretical interpretations of Scripture. It was in response. It was in response to to the heresy that was propping up at the time. And they were useful for uniting the body of Christ. Yes. So these, these... And articulating what the body of Christ should believe based upon the witness of Scripture. Absolutely. That's what it is. So confessions serve a purpose yes. for uniting God's people. And even when Presbyterians and Baptists, for example, disagree on, say, church polity or the, the ordinances or the sacraments, we disagree on these issues. But there is so much commonality between the yes. two. We can see the overlap, right? And like a like like a Venn diagram, you can see all these these areas where we we are the same. We are on yep. the same page. So that that demonstrates that we are not isolated. Yes, we have differences, but we are one people who agree and confess on so much that is true. So it provides greater unity yep. both within the church, the local, and beyond the local church into other local bodies that may even disagree with us over certain specific. Issues. But I want to go even a step further than that. I, I find comfort in knowing that uh, it's not only that which unites us now, but it's something that unites us with yeah. a long tradition. If you yeah. want to, use, if I could use that word in the best possible sense, right? right? A historical faith that we have mm-hmm. that's not something that we've just made up, you know, in the last twenty something years. It's something that has been rooted and grounded in in Christ. Yeah. Well, yeah. Like, listen, um, you, maybe you're a smart guy. Maybe, maybe you are a really sharp girl and you've got advanced degrees and you've done all kinds of study and you're, you are not enough. I'm not, I'm not enough. I need the local church around yes. me and the local church needs the history of the church yes. around us. We are not interpreting scripture in a vacuum. Um, if, if we are coming up with views of scripture that have not yet been articulated, they're, there's a good question to ask. The, the, yeah. What the heck is going on? What's going on, on here? Where right. am I getting this from? Is this really something I should be like, why am I thinking that way? Like what's right. going on here? Uh, that should really give you pause. I feel like when they, we talk about, you know, you hear people talk about this fresh new revelation. <laughs> I'm like, oh, really? <laughs> well, it's fresh. It's fresh. It's yeah. new. It's revelation. There's nine heads in the Godhead, you know, like there's nine of them. According to one fresh revelation that was given to a certain individual. Well, who is that? What? No, I don't want to talk about that. Why not? Why do you want to talk about Benny Hinn? Well, <laughs> <laughs> Benny Hinn's a heretic. If you like Benny Hinn, you need to check no, yourself. I'm, but I'm just saying, though, I mean, when some guy comes out there and says, hey, I, I, I've received this revelation. Yeah, what do you test it by? Well, you test it by Scripture. Yeah, but scripture, what does Scripture say? Yeah, what does Scripture say? So you, you, you try to look at it, and so then you ask, okay, so how is the Church of Jesus Christ understood this doctrine? Yes. And then you have to look at it, and you'll find out, well, there, are, there may be a few differences over the years. But then when you look at the Catholic creeds, what you see is great uniformity, yes. great unity. Yes. And then when you look at the Protestant creeds, and we are Protestants, we're not, we're not Roman Catholics. When you look at the Protestants, then you say, okay, how have the Protestants articulated this? Yeah. 
And uh, and if you differ, okay, but man, you had better be willing to really challenge and check yourself because do you really think, I mean, do you, I mean with fear and trepidation, you yeah. need to examine your beliefs against Scripture and then your understanding of Scripture against the church that has existed for 2,000 years. Now, some people... Well, hold on, Joe. Go ahead. Before we get to that that part. Okay. I, I think it's time for us to share. What are we sharing? The promotion. What promotion? What's going on for the people that go to the conference? What's going to happen after? Oh, now you want to talk about I it? I want to talk about that now. I didn't think you were wanted to talk about it. I thought you were waiting. No, like, I'm so, waiting for now. Okay. We told so people we're going to talk no, about it. No, Let's listen. All now. right. You guys know that we are who we are. We don't pretend to be anything else. And it's not for everybody. Okay? I am what I am. And that's all that I am. That's biblical and it's Popeye. It's both. Yeah, that's right. All right. So, um, <laughs> ka, 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 ka. oh, yeah, that was yours. Was yeah, I'm, I'm a little bit better. I got my Popeye arms. I got my, I'm bald like Popeye. Well, got tattoos got Pop- like Popeye. No, you don't have Popeye arms. I have Popeye arms. No, man. you don't. I'm ripped. You are not. Oh, my gosh. I am ripped. All right, so here's the thing Jimmy, wanted me, Jimmy wants to talk about this. After the conference on March 11th. Yes. When it's over. Yes. It's going to be over around four o'clock. When it's over. What's that? The after party. That's not a thing. We're having an after party. Okay, okay, but you. Okay, so we are going to. We grab some, grab something to eat. Whatever, fine. Grab, grab a little something, something. Grab a little, little burger. Oh, go to Beef Shack. Oh, beef they Shack. Go to beef Shack. Beef Shack on on Route sixty four. I mean, go to Beef Shack. Get oh. uh, get Italian beef. Yes, get a combo. No, don't get the no, combo. That's get, too much. Fine, fine. That's okay, too much. okay, fine. Or you do the combo mini. No, no, it's too much. Get fine. The, okay. Get the, Italian beef. get the combo or no Italian beef. All right, fine. Italian beef. Yeah. On cheese bread, garlic bread. On the garlic bread. Sorry. Add the cheese on it, uh, and you could do the hot peppers. Oh my gosh. Oh, there. And you put. You can ask them to put uh, no, they, light sauce already. They already put it on. No, but they'll put. No, you can ask them to do it light. No, nah, just let them do it normal. Don't no. tell them how to do it. I'm telling they're, them. They're how to guests. Do it. Oh, so here's the thing. Get something to eat, and then. Mm. Some of us are going to go to the local cigar shop. A now, lot listen, of us are going to be going. All right, well, listen, you may not be into cigars. Yeah. Um, and if you're not, then this might not be the thing for you. But you guys know that Jimmy and I smoke a few cigars every day. Like, like when you say a few. It doesn't matter. No, I mean, how, like, okay, what time do you start? Uh, what time do I wake up? <laughs> Six. So we're going to have a few cigars. We're going to hang out. And I just talked to the owner of La Vida. Yeah. We're going to work out some kind of a deal. So if you bring in your your conference pamphlet, bro, what do you call it? A program. Program. You bring in your conference program, you're gonna get a deal on cigars. Oh, so yeah. we're gonna hang out. It's gonna be a lot of fun. It's gonna be a lot of. We're fun. gonna pack that place out, and uh, we can so we can just fellowship afterwards. And Dude, I know I don't know what we're gonna do. Now here's the thing. You if you if I know you're gonna like some of you are gonna be like oh I'm gonna be left out. I don't I hate cigars. I'm sorry, dude. But I don't want to go to like a scrapbooking place. Okay, or stop it. Why it do you use that? No, I'm just as trying to say there are other things. Like I don't want to go bowling. This is what we do. So we're going to go where we normally go. And those of you that want to go, come and hang out. See, and those of you who don't want to go, go do your own thing at the scrapbooking place. It's okay, fine. But I, I don't think we're going to have enough room in the members' room. Oh, I've res- I'm going to reserve the room. It's not enough. Well, that we'll have the big lounge as well. I wonder how could we get the whole place? We can, but then you're basically telling members they can't come in. I don't want to no, do that. we're gonna have members come in and out. I'm talking about everybody else. Nah, we'll, we'll work it out. We gotta so, work it out. We need right. the everything. Come in. It's good. Listen, we're gonna have fellowship. It's gonna be awesome. And Jimmy's buying cigars for everybody. No, I am not. What? I thought I you said not. Jimmy's no. buying cigars. No, no, no. I am All you not. gotta say is you not. see Jimmy say, "Hey, hashtag free cigars," and no. Jimmy will give you. <laughs> give you All right. So some people, 
you know, they, you they, dummy. They, <laughs> so dumb. You're gonna be getting People are going to be you're like, you're going to have to buy free cigars. I'm not buying no you're cigars. Buying cigars. I am not. Why don't you give them some of those janky oh, cigars yeah. in the humidor? No, you, you know what? I got, I got a bunch of dollar cigars for you. <laughs> some people uh, push back against creeds. They, they don't like them uh, because they feel like they become an authority. Uh, they feel like it is superimposed on scripture. But the reality is, Baptists from the very beginning, whether they are General Baptists, Arminian Baptists, or Calvinistic Baptists, or Reformed Baptists, they all had creeds. Yeah. They all had confessions because they all believed it was important. This, only a few you suckers don't want to articulate your faith. Baptists, historically, have been all about it. So mm-hmm. just go ahead and pick it up. I mean, I've got books on my shelves that, that have uh, Baptist confessions of faith throughout all of history. We've been about it. And so even modern-day Southern Baptists, right? We have the Baptist Faith and Message 2000, which is a revision of the 98, which is a revision of the 65, which is a revision of the 25. Like, mm. we've been about confessions of faith. It's important. In fact, one Southern Baptist, B.H. Carroll, you know you're cool when you go with the BH, like R.C., R.C. Sproul, yeah. J.I. Packer. J.T. Thorne? No, that's J.C. Thorne. J.C. Thorne? No, I don't do that because I'm, I'm not that much of a theological baller. No. But B.H. Carroll. No, you're not. B.H. Carroll had a beard as big as I am. Okay, he had this big white beard. So what, like two feet? It was like, no, like four feet. Four feet, yeah. B.H. Uh, Carroll had this uh, awesome beard, and in his work, An Interpretation of the English Bible, he says this. The modern cry, less creed and more liberty, is the degeneration from the vertebrae to the jellyfish. And it means less unity and less morality. And it means more heresy. Yeah. Padow. Padow. That's what we say. Carol got it, even though he has a girl name, Carol got it right. Yeah. Um, and there is a strength and a stability among yes. churches and believers when they can affirm a clearly articulated statement of faith that has not only been compiled by brilliant leaders, but has been tested by history. Yeah. This is why I think it's important for, um, for churches to really consider adopting one of the historic confessions or statements of faith rather than coming up with their own. You see some of the ones out there, right? Yeah, some of them, they kind of, I, I don't get it. I don't understand why, especially because there's such a, there's already something established. Why not just go with what's well, been established? Well, because that guy with a bachelor degree from Bible college, he wants to write his own. Oh, he's so, because you're so smart, dude. Listen, you're so uh, smart. hey guy with your, with your MDiv from seminary, uh, yeah, not bad. Not bad job writing that statement of faith mm-hmm. for your church. You know what's better? Uh, almost everything else has been written. <laughs> no, not really. Like, here's the thing: like, you can do an okay job. You can do an okay job, but and you... I'm sure you're going to be well intentioned. Like, your 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 hope is you're not going to miss anything. You're going to get everything right. But when you when you are able to say we're going to like, for example, our church does not use the 1689. No, no. I would like to use the 1689. Yep. I'm a 1689 guy. But what our church is, our church uses is the abstract of principles. We use the ab, which is the first written Southern Baptist statement of faith. It's a yeah. Calvinistic doctrine or document, and uh, we use that for our church body. Now the elders are going through the 1689, yeah. and we're going to wind up using that, I think, for a number of things. But whether you're using the abstract of principles or the Baptist faith and message or the 1689, it's important that you're using something that has been well-written, yeah. well-argued, yeah. tested, verified by people better than yourself. 
and has stood the test of time. I think that's best. Now, I think you're not going to do better than the 1689. There's the New Hampshire Confession, of course, which is good. There are other options. And, of course, the Presbyterians, they have the Westminster Standards. Yep. Um, so there, there are options and, and traditions that people gravitate towards, but we ought to be willing to identify with particular streams. Now, Absolutely. May, now, listen, some people are of the more smorgasbord variety. Yeah. And I don't mean that in a bad way, but they're like, well, I'm not totally down with this and that, and I've kind of got my own way. What would you say to somebody who says, like, well, I'm not, I'm not really credo, I'm not really pedo, I'm not really Calvinist, I'm not really Arminian, so I want to come up with something that's kind of in between. What would you say to them, Jimmy? Um, Be honest. <laughs> I'm trying to really work. Uh, let me try to think of the You're so nice. You're I so know, nice. I know. I would say... Stop it. Uh, yeah. Say. Well, I want to say something else. Um, but I think I would say you really don't know what you believe. You haven't studied enough. Uh, and you are treating your faith like a Chinese buffet. Now, Jimmy, I love a Chinese buffet. Uh, yes, I'm sure it tastes good. But I don't define my faith by the Chinese no, buffet. No, you can't. And you, got, you need to... You need to know what you believe and be able to articulate it. And it needs to be consistent. You're not consistent. Now, listen, if you are um, an Arminian... So stop it. Yes, yeah, st- knock it off. If, if you are Arminian or if you are non-Calvinistic, there are doctrinal statements out there that you can appeal to. Yeah. Um, awesome. Go with that. Do, like, but it's important... Know what you know. Like, know what you believe in. Listen, I got to be honest. So, uh, Southern Baptist guy. I'm a Southern Baptist pastor. Yes, I used to hang out with a bunch of local Southern Baptist pastors. Okay. And I was the young guy, of course. And uh, I shouldn't say Not of anymore. Course. I shouldn't say of course. Now I'm the old guy. Um, so I was one of the young guys among a bunch of elder statesmen Southern Baptist pastors. And I'm not kidding when I say a number of them who had been in ministry for decades, educated at Southern Baptist seminaries, would tell me, I don't really know what I believe about the doctrine of election. I'm not really sure what yeah. the Bible teaches. Now, of course, I can appreciate the transparency. Um, I can appreciate the humility. But what I do not understand, nor can I accept, is that leaders in the church have not formed an opinion on what Scripture says on something that I think is relatively clear. And listen, Arminians would say it's, it's clear, and Calvinists would say it's clear. So let's articulate and have some kind of conviction and backbone and say this is what it actually says. There exactly. are mysteries. There are, there are things that are really hard to understand in Scripture, but I don't think that that is really one of them. So when I find pastors, leaders in ministry who are unwilling to commit or articulate what they actually believe or have an opinion, I'm concerned about their eligibility to lead. And I think, yeah, I mean, to, for some people that might seem like a harsh word, right? Like that feels kind of harsh to say if you don't, if you're not ascribing to a certain thing, you don't have to agree with me. I know, I know, but I have an opinion. It feels like it, it, it's kind of harsh. You don't think that's harsh? What if people are in process? Okay, so Jimmy's making a joke. Uh, no, I'm when Jimmy, when Jim, Jimmy all the time, what he says to me is, "I'm like Jimmy, what do you what do you want to do about this?" He's like, "I'm, I'm processing." No, stop it! I'm don't like, tell do you, people that. What do, you, what do you mean you're processing? What are you like a Commodore sixty four processing? Get it over with, man. I'm a Mac. I'm the new MacBook. I get it processing done. No, here's the thing. Joe wants to wants me to make a decision now. now. Yesterday, like he'll say, "Hey, man, yeah, tell me what to do right now." I'm yeah, like, I, I ain't telling it. you right now. Let me think through. I got to uh, think through. Why do, Why does it take you so long to think though? No, it doesn't take me so long. It takes you a long time. No, I need to actually oh think my it gosh. through. 
You I think like a non-committal, like non-Calvinist. That's what you think like. No, I just want... You're just, always processing. No, I just need to know what I... I need to know... What do you need to know, Jimmy? Exactly what you're talking about right now. I want to know what it is I'm getting into so I can... Well, I'm just trying to get you into the truth, through. son. So I'm just saying, it takes people time. It takes people time. It takes some people longer. You know than what, others, Jen? And I talk about this. What? How impatient you are, and how you try to force us into trying to get. First things. of all, I don't force Jen into anything because. Uh, well, all I know is Jen and I have talked, and you don't seem to respect these kind of boundaries of people. Okay, first of all, I respect Jen. Now, I may not respect you in your processing time because that's a little too long. I respect Jen, and I can't force her to do anything because she's a tough, strong woman. No, you can't force her into it. But I am impatient. But you are impatient. I'm impatient. And we've talked about that. Absolutely. You know, we actually, it's like, it's kind of thing we, we're concerned first about. First of all, don't you. talk to my wife. Okay, let's just time. establish that. Wait, you don't no, talk to my no. wife. You know what? Um, do not text her. I'm texting. Do not text her. I'm Put texting. your phone down. Okay. All right. Anyways, all of this comes down to this. Um, everything that we're talking about, it, it comes down to one idea. Not, I mean, well... Jim, that Jimmy is wrong in a lot of what we're talking about right now. Um, but the idea that clearly... <laughs> okay, I, I see that you text my wife. Okay. <laughs> Creeds and confessions are valuable. Yes. They're not perfect. Now, here, here I want to ask this. I want to ask this. I know you touched on it from the beginning, but I really want to hit it up now. I'll, it's kind of a mailback question. All right. <clears throat> Tyler Curley asked this. Tyler What? What? Tyler Curley. Curley? <laughs> You've met Tyler. What are you talking about? Who's Tyler Curry? Tyler, no, Curly. Cur- who Curly? Curly, Tyler Curly. I don't met him with that guy. Yeah, you have. I would remember that name. No, he, he's, uh, he's a guy I know. He's okay. a guy I know. All right, go ahead. All, All right. right, and now he's over with- One uh, of the Three Stooges, go. Uh, no, he is over down at, I don't know where he's at. All right, go. Not Boyce. What's, uh, what's don't a, care. What's the graduate school down there? Southern. What's the other one? In Louisville? Yeah. Nothing. What's the one that... Uh, oh, my gosh. Nobody cares. Tim George. Tim well, that's George. not in Louisville. Beeson? Oh, yeah, that's it. He's at Beeson. That's in, that's in Birmingham, Alabama. Whatever. Same thing. It's all, all right, go, south. Go. Anyways, uh, he goes, JoJo frequently refers to confessionalism, but there is not much mention of creedalism. What is the relationship of the creeds, i.e. the Nicene Apostles and Athanasian to mm-hmm. the confessions? And ro- what role do the creeds play in the life of the local church? Okay, real quick. Um, all of our confessions of faith that the Protestants, that healthy Protestant churches have articulated, uh, are built upon the Catholic creeds. And so when you look at those creeds that, are, that articulate Trinitarian theology, those are informing or helping or supporting uh, the 1689, before that, the Westminster and the Savoy Declaration. Mm-hmm. So um, now some people believe that creeds are authoritative and confessions are not. Some people want to parse things out um, in weird ways. I, I don't think that's helpful. Yeah, Creeds are the early, I would say, creeds are the early Catholic little c Trinitarian formulations of the faith, and confessions are the latter, more detailed articulations of, of the Christian faith in fuller measure. And uh, they tend to deal with issues that were coming up um, amidst... Um, Issues that were arising around the Protestant Reformation and subsequent generations. So uh, creeds and confessions are, I believe, necessary. I, th- I think that they are important, and I believe that your faith will be improved by your interaction with the confessions. Um, listen, I-, I-, I, love, I love the Westminster yeah. standards. Um, I love the Heidelberg Catechism. Pastor Pat! 
right? Yeah. Pastor Pat, oh, right? Yeah, yeah. So, okay, all right. You know what? He's going to make us all look bad as parents. Stop okay, it. that's fine. All right, Pastor Pat, um, now his boy is super, like, okay, so Pat is nerdy, right? Pat, And I mean that in a good way. Yeah, yeah. Pat is into comics and stuff like that, and his boy is into video games and comics and stuff like that. And, and, and he's an introvert, naturally. And he's like, man, I don't know. Like, Sojourn, the youth group is cool, but I don't know. And so Pat is now sitting down with him and taking his boy through what? The Heidelberg Catechism. <laughs> <laughs> like, the rest of us are like, hey, what? man, let's, why don't we read this? See Jane run. Uh, uh, Jimmy <laughs> takes his kids through, like, gospel lessons from Caillou. All right, that's what, that's what Jimmy does. Pat's taking his kid through the stinking uh, Heidelberg Catechism. By the way, Kevin DeYoung has a good book on the Heidelberg Catechism. You should check that out. Yeah. The Gospel We Almost Forgot. Or The Good News We Almost Forgot. Whatever. Um, <laughs> that memorable. So, like, the Heidelberg Catechism is yeah. maybe the most beautiful thing ever written outside of Scripture. It's just fantastic. It's wrong on baptism, but whatever. Um, so, these things are useful to you. Whether you're using the 1689 or the Westminster Standards, they, if you will read them in conjunction with and in submission to the scriptures, you will be blessed. And I know a lot of the people that listen to our podcast are, are, are Calvinists or are yeah. Calvinistic, but they're not associated with a, a particular Reformed church or a confession. Maybe you're going to some non-denominational church or a Baptist church somewhere or whatever. Invest in these confessions and creeds. And I'm yes. telling you, we, are, we believe that your faith will be strengthened and you will grow closer to Christ if you do so in conjunction with and submission to the Scripture. Big thanks to Justin Bond of J. Bond Media. I like that guy. The audiovisual wizard of Doctrine and Devotion. If you've got any audiovisual photography needs, hit up jbondmedia.com and he will hook you up. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Doc and Devo or on Facebook slash Doctrine and Devotion. All right, stop it. That's going to distract me. I'm sorry, go ahead. All right, you can find us Wait, on our website, doctrinedevotion.com. You can click the Contact Us page or the sign-up page where you can uh, go ahead and sign up for our email blast where we have special content just for our email subscribers. You can also head on over to the store where you can pick up some Doctrine and Devotion gear. You can register for the conference, uh, and you can see us March 11th. You can head on over to iTunes, leave us an honest five-star review. Fresh and? pod. What? Well, and? Did you talk about feedback? Yeah, leave us some feedback. All right. Fresh pod every Monday, Monday and, and Thursday. Thursday. Articles on Wednesdays. Later. Later.